Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Um, Something a little bit different today. We're going to do a full podcast on the cover story of the latest issue. I think it's issue 381. I always lose track of the numbers. Apologies if I got that. I'm getting a nod from Ollie Q, deputy editor, who knows about these things. It's 381. And what a cover. Yes. me. What a cover. We're going to get on to how we pulled it together. Potentially one of the most complicated shoots in the history of Top Gear magazine. Five photo shoots coming together to make one photo and it was fun um also Baron horncastle is in the studio i'm back from the desert my lungs are still full of dust so i may <laughs> cough occasionally and also it's winter in the uk so everyone's here so but, uh, i was there for three weeks and that's tom wookie ford who's here who went to japan for us so when i was in the desert all of the japan stuff was going on and then we had a crew in america at the same time it's been a very very busy it's, beginning it's of been the a year. breathless start to the year and i'm not just talking about Ron's cough yes <laughs> But it was quite funny going on WhatsApp and getting everyone to share their live locations and we were just dotted everywhere. <laughs> and the time zones, we were pretty much in every single one around the world. So, uh, so now, it was yeah, good. worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> now, part of this may be down to the fact that we have a new recruit to the Top Gear team, a guy called Ben Pullman, who's, um, I'm not sure his exact role, producer. Digital producer. Digital producer. So he is basically, a, 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 I'm going to call him a logistics wizard. So um, we come up with all these bonkers ideas that are sort of lots of reasons why they can't happen. Ben seems to be able to pull them together. And one of those was this grand idea we had that it wouldn't have escaped your notice um, if you're a car fan, if you're a JDM fan, if you're a performance car fan, that there's been a load of interesting concept cars coming out of Japan in the last six months to a year, all bringing back or at least showing us visions for the future of the the iconic nameplates. So GTR, RX-7, MR2, and LFA. And we were like, hang on, these cars exist. Nobody's really shot them properly because they were all sort of re- revealed at a motor show. That's the thing, because you see them, it's in that november time where there's the LA Auto Show, and yeah. then there's some in Asia, and then you go into the Jap- uh, Japan Auto Salon. But you look, you're right, you see these concepts once and then you never see them again. And I thought the Nissan was a rendering. I literally just <laughs> thought it didn't exist. I thought it was pixels. I didn't realise that they'd actually built something called the Hyperforce concept. Yes, and they're real. And, and so we set Ben off on the task of, could we go out to Japan? Could we shoot all of them? Not one, not two. Four? Four of them. Unobtainium concept cars. Y- yes. Um, uh, and the... the it has to be the shoots have to be stacked together to make this logistically possible. We needed a human who was willing and able and had the energy to see it through and present a gazillion videos. But he wasn't available, so we sent Tom Ford instead. <laughs> and at, at this point, I'm going to bring Tom into the story. Tom, yes, have you got any sleep? Yes. Now I've been fully back. recovered. I didn't get much while we were out there. To be fair, Jack. When you pitched it to me, it, it sounded like good fun. And then when Ben came up with the schedule, even though he is the Gandalf of logistics, <laughs> it became... It be, the closer we got to it, the worse it looked. <laughs> and and we, we went the length and breadth of Japan twice Ooh. to try and pick this stuff up, all to make it look like they're in the same place. So I was going to just say, Wook, we should just outline that, yeah, we it wasn't possible to kind of get 
four car manufacturers to all agree on be at this studio at this time with their so priceless you... one-off concept cars. Well, not yeah, even that. If you've seen the cover story, can you just park them all on Shibuya Clock Crossing in Tokyo? <laughs> get rid of everyone at three in the morning. We didn't actually make that happen. Sorry to to deceive you, dear viewers and That's listeners. That's what the podcast's all about. We want the behind-the-scenes stories. The picture of Shibuya. Shibuya, have I got that right? Yeah, crossing real. is real because uh, John Witchley, the um, the other wizardly creative here, the photographer, um, went out in the middle of the night and shot all the backplates. So all the backplates that you see in the magazine on the cover, um, in in the feature inside the magazine, they are all real shots from John Witchley, who should have been sleeping, but he was walking the streets of Tokyo. But the other thing you didn't tell us was that um, that the cars were all like in secret design bunkers. They weren't like they weren't like parked in a showroom. They were in these places where we had to go through full security, you know, log all of our camera equipment, do all this stuff. At one of them, when we were doing the uh, Toyota FTSE, which is the new MR2 sort of concepty thing, we had to go to the toilet in groups with a minder. <laughs> That's <laughs> part of your rider, though, isn't and, it? Like normally, <laughs> it, it 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 got really weird because every time we left the studio, they had to shut all of the doors, all of the roller shutters. There had to be a minder that took us for a wee. And the trouble is, every time I went for a wee, I wanted another wee just because I knew I couldn't go. <laughs> but hang on, they'd already, it was really they had weird. already shown all of these cars, right? None of them were like secret ahead of time. Yes, so why were they being so secretive? We were in their secret design studios. So they'd obviously got other stuff or more real, you know, more real things knocking around. And we were there with a load of cameras. So we had guards, essentially. Oh, so what did you see? <laughs> Nothing. I just saw the urinals. That, that was about it. But it was really weird, like, going into these big... I mean, they're fairly hefty design studios that tend to be tucked down right down the back of somewhere so that you don't get, you know, you can't get papped or they can move cars about and they don't get seen. Um, and it was really weird. And we didn't see daylight for, like, six days of the trip because we just went into these little bunkers and shot these cars. But I bet they've got like matcher urinal cubes in these uh, toilets that you did go to. But to try and get some structure, should we go through your itinerary basically of where you started, What go car by car, and then we'll explain the car and what they are and why they're special. And Because did you start with the Nissan? Because that thing is absolutely well, yeah, mental. Yeah, we flew into Tokyo and then went straight down to Nissan's uh, design place uh, to meet the Hyperforce. Which, when I first saw it, I thought just looked daft. Thought it looked like a big lump, and it, the pictures out. that Nissan had taken of it were rubbish. It was on a show stand, and it just looked like a big block of nothing. And then we got into this studio. It's really interesting. It's super. Now it's not the GTR. They keep saying it's not the GTR. It's the GTR. It's got a GTR badge on the front that's pixelated, like pixelated in real life. So it it is a it's a badge that says gtr in a kind of digital pixelated form if you looked at it through a kaleidoscope you can <laughs> see the white and the red but it and it's a gtr shape but it doesn't say gtr you could never infer that it said gtr but there's the, i mean the car's a lot more subtle than it looks when you take a picture of it because it's matte black it looks like a battleship it looks like a japanese batmobile that's what i kept saying um, but the car's very striking in real life, and a lot there's a lot more nuance to it. It's a lot more subtle, but it's got all these active canards, like the canards on the front wings slice out from the side of it, um, active, so they sort of pop out. Yeah. And then the vents on the top of the of the front wings also sort of flip out. It's got an active rear spoiler. All the aero, weirdly, all the aero is real. 
because it was done by Nismo. So the car looks like a block, but they're working on how you make a big, fat, blocky, solid-looking thing into a really aerodynamic car. There's loads of voids and sort of uh, the, the air channels through it doesn't just hit it. So the weird thing was, the more you looked at it, the more you saw, the more you interviewed the designer, the more real... It's like the real stuff. It was a mad, crazy concept, making you look at the mad crazy, but there was some subtle, real engineering going on while you were looking the other way. So why are they so obsessed with uh, not saying the word GTR? Why won't they talk about the fact that it's GTR? It looks like a GTR. It has a GTR badge. It's, it's clearly a vision. Is it because it's a vision of two generations in the future? It's all electric, by the way, um, rather than the next one. Or, but even then, why not, why not call it what it is and, and, and be real? Why I are they suspect, trying to hide from it? I suspect because they'll do a GTR on a heavily modified R35 chassis with electric assistance but are still with an ice engine before it dies so this isn't the next gtr it's the next but one yeah so i suspect that they don't want to sort of get everyone excited and then pull back from it but they are saying that that's where they're going well it's, it's too late because we've stuck it on the cover of our magazine <laughs> yeah, a massive GTR. label saying gtr and a big fat arrow so uh but it's yeah, proper the, concept. the horse is bolted it's proper concept car stuff isn't it we kind of worried that the concept car would die along with the motor show but here's nissan and we'll get onto the others in a moment but nissan going 1341 brake course power four-wheel drive mm. ultimate aero gtr with and work maybe you can explain this why does it say ass be force down the side of it <laughs> um, the the ass parts i, I wasn't really sure the uh, <laughs> it says ass be force i mean just sounds like a team name on the apprentice it's actually ass be e force <laughs> so, doesn't make any better <laughs> the thing is that e force is they're going to do you know e force is the the a taser ets four-wheel drive system for electric Mm. So it's their performance version of four. Oh, I'm drive. sorry. They started with a rude word and worked backwards from that. That's like when I Ferrari did the did. FXXK, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's well, I mean, it's it's full of tech. It's full of cool. I mean, did you see the interior? Yeah. I mean, I've said in the article it looks like a Berlin nightclub. It's absolutely crackers. Are you familiar with those, are you work? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just yeah. the dodgy ones. But uh, <laughs> yeah. also we need to it looks absolutely outlandish because as you said Q it's a bit like a snowplow but Nissan have form with this in the 80s with their Skyline super silhouette race cars etc so those huge jutting chins and uh, spoilers that was one of the inspirations funnily enough you know the silhouette the red silhouette the yeah. Tomica silhouette racer that was one of the explicit inspirations for this car so they are th there's elements of history all the way through it it's it's properly i mean it's properly amazing but there's things like on on the inside they had uh, it's a yoke with adaptive steering um but when you put it into r mode for racing sort of little satellite screens pop out of the dash and then frame the yoke they come forwards out of the dash and frame the yoke to have you know different things like tire temperature and boost gauges and stuff which obviously nissan used to have on their older cars and they, it's it's like they're looking at configurable ways of actually physically changing the shape of the car, and it's not as science fiction as it looks. And if you talk to the people, there's this energy behind it, this kind of excitement about what they can do with electric performance that they couldn't do before. 
And everyone's talk. This is this was a theme that came through with all of these concepts was that everyone's talking about how you make electric interesting, how you make an electric car interesting and engaging to drive. It's like fast isn't the metric that we can measure everything on now. Like because all all electric cars are pretty rapid. You put an electric sports car out there, they're all really quick. But are they good? Do you get out of it and go, I just want to go for a drive on a Sunday morning just because I like driving? Yeah, not yet. It's I think Ionic, Ionic 5N quite. has got the closest to that by just explicitly copying a combustion engine car yeah. and Pushing doing it really things. well. By yeah. cosplaying as a hot hatch, whereas yeah. the Japanese are going to do it very much the right way. But I think it suits the, the, the GTR. You know, the GTR was always very tech heavy, you know, not a lightweight sports car, but all about you know, electronics that flatter the driver. And I, so I mean, they did I say that working. weight is your friend when they came, when mm. it was criticized for being a heavy car, the R35, they, they said that weight is your friend. You yeah, know, I remember Mizuno, Mizuno San literally said, if you have a heavy car, it's like having downforce all the time. And then you just use clever diffs and traction control to then sort out the weight problem, <laughs> which is a, you know, <laughs> I, I, but if you said that to Gordon Murray, he would spontaneously combust. Cause I remember well, that's driving, what fat people say. I remember driving an R35 <laughs> around Silverstone and, uh, uh, two laps in the dry, and as it often does at Silverstone, it then started to rain. And those first two laps, I was like, hang on a minute. I think I might be better at driving than I thought. <laughs> and then it started raining, and I was all over the place. I, I think I spun it twice in the next two laps. Um, and you could just feel all that mass, mm. and you realize how much the computers were, were making me... Yeah, but, they cook their brakes on track. Can we, we just bring up Hyperforce, sorry, as a name? Because it does sound, it sounds like something that's in the Argos catalogue. And like it's like the Power Rangers new thing. Well, it, it doesn't. Are we what? a fan? Not a fan. I'm not a fan of it. If I've got to be honest, Hyperforce. Well, that will get left behind in the in the. But it sounds like a Power Ranger. Exactly. R36 GTR. That's where it needs to be later on down the line. But uh, but I have to say, it's a car that gets more interesting the more you dig into it. Yeah. And that's the problem with concept cars. They get seen on a stand and then washed away. And that that, that was the other sort of thinking behind us executing this story. Really was. So often, you know, you get this flash of news these days. You get a day on the internet where everyone's interested in the car and then it disappears. Mm. And we were like, actually, this one, you know, warrants further investigation. Um, and there is, yeah, so much more to it, as you discovered. Yeah, I learned, learned loads from this. Like, I had no idea it united the worlds of, like, cars and gaming because everyone knows about, oh, the Nissan GTR, yeah, the graphics inside were done by Polyphony, who did Gran Turismo. But this, work, aren't they talking about they might do a GTR one day if they copy this where it's got VR goggles with it. So if the weather is a bit pants and you're like Jack and you don't want to go out and spin the car, you could just <laughs> sit in your garage, put your goggles on. And it becomes sort of, a life sim. Yeah, so exactly. So the adaptive suspension chair. could move the car while you were playing games on your head-up display. Oh, that's kind of depressing, in your car. <laughs> that's kind of depressing. That Oh, I fancy a drive. I'll just go and sit in my You're going to get some very awkward around. questions from the neighbours if they hear your car <laughs> yeah, shuffling your wife, around. Your wife is going to go, what are you doing? You're going <laughs> into the garage just to play with the steering wheel. And do, you want to know, do you want to know the best thing about that is there's, v there's a VR headset. There's a VR headset. Um, so you, you can use it as a real-life sim rig. But then there's skeleton goggles, which are like the reticulars that um, fighter pilots use. And you can go to a live racetrack, a real racetrack, and then it can teach you breaking points, lines. It can project them onto your visor. So the problem with that is you can then race your best lap as a ghost car. You know, like on Gran Turismo yeah. and all those different things. Mm. You can race your best lap or race somebody else's best lap in real life but i just get confused 
So I'd be like, is this, I, I've, I've got it wrong. Oh no, I'm dead. It would, yeah. I'd just oh, get it all Oh, here comes my up. ghost lap. I'm going to try and overtake it. Oh no, that's a real car. Yeah. I can't wait for yeah. someone to take one of these on a track day in 10 years time and crash it and then try and hit the rewind button on the steering wheel. I'm going, no, 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 no <laughs> yeah. I can have that Not another go. Work. So I thought I was in my garage. Shall we go from the from the ridiculous to the sublime and talk about something much well, more elegant? And what, what was well, what was next on your, on well, your we, journey? Chronologically, we were in Tokyo, and then we um, we went to Hiroshima to mm-hmm. do the Mazda oh, design studio, which was this thing called the uh, iconic SP. Now, this was launched next to a refreshed MX Five, and everybody went, "Oh, it's a bit MX Five y," and then everyone realized that actually it's got a rotary engine. It's not an MX-5. It's too low, wide, all that kind of stuff. It's the new RX-7. And it really is the new RX-7, except it's a little bit. So this was the car that I thought was the prettiest <laughs> yeah, and the nicest. Oh, it's stunning. Yeah, it's got bits of like Alpha 8C in it. If you've not seen a picture of this, then yeah, pull it up, do yourself a favor, because it's, it's really beautiful. Is it is good looking in the flesh work? It's better. It's better. And the best bit is you don't need to, you know, the hyperforce, it's like, okay, let's put our fingers on our chin and have a look at what's going on with it. <laughs> this one was like you walk in and go, yeah, let's have Sold. that. I mean, it's got Sold. pop-up headlights. Flaps. They're not really, they're kind of flaps. So it's got not flappy proper, headlights. Proper, flappy headlights. But the, <laughs> and it's got no bumpers and it's, you know, it legislation would make it slightly less sexy just change change legislation it looks so good so this one's a weird one in that it's not fully electric so it's got a little two rotor rotary motor in the front which acts as a generator like you remember like an i3 yeah but i'm interested in this because the i3 used to just like hum away in the back with a a small scooter because it's a rotary i want it to go brap 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 does it not I mean, it just acts as a generator for an electric drivetrain, so it charges the batteries that um, you know drive the electric motor. But they've already come up with things like it's going to be 365 horsepower. It's going to have one motor mounted in the rear. They've, they've come up with targets for it. So again, you kind of get the feeling that this isn't complete vaporware. Yeah. And that drivetrain already exists in the boring MX30 Erev. Yeah. So Although it's it, turned up a bit here. That is that a single rotor? Or is that twin? I don't know. This is, but the thing with those things is, you know, like a rotary motor is the size of your head. You c- they're modular, so you just put another set, another set of rotors in there. Yeah, and but people you can have, have different a more size heads. battery. <laughs> the size of my head, right? You have a very so, quite a big head. <laughs> yeah, but the um, yeah, you could up that quite easily. Put a more powerful motor in it, give it a bit more generation. It would be, and the best bit, you get inside it, and it's a real car. It's got corduroy. It's got blue corduroy. <laughs> oh, I mean, if, if something says corduroy. production to me, blue corduroy is it. I think Ollie Marriage had a 911 with corduroy seats, didn't he? Oh, uh, the Heritage Pack. Yeah, yeah we can vouch for that. Colour match to his trousers. Yeah. Just but, so good. Was it really interesting? Simple. Was it interesting uh, seeing lots of different concept cars and seeing the difference in quality and effort that's been put into them uh, as you're seeing them back to back? Yeah, and the funny thing is, the Japanese do concept cars really, really well. They they are really well finished. These are you know the only one that was a bit that, that wasn't as good was the um, LFA because it was not a, it didn't have an interior. 
Ah, okay. Well, Lexus, so Lexus are kings of panel gaps, and they didn't even finish the car for you. But the thing is, the LFA had an absolutely bonkers interior as an original car, the actual LFA. So I think they're trying to keep some of the shock and awe for later. Yeah. So that they can show some other stuff off. Yeah, let's get on to the LFA. The LFA is actually the one that kind of passed me by slightly in the news cycle compared to everything else. It's actually quite old. It was when um, Toyota Lexus revealed an absolute avalanche of electric yeah. cars, didn't yeah. they? There they was hadn't that, bothered that doing EVs for release. ages. And then it was like, ta-da, we've done all of them. Was it Akio who just yeah. there's a picture of him standing in front of like... 18 electric, and we're like, hang on, well, oh, that's an LFA. Bloody hell, that's an FJ. He did a Danny Cruiser. Baja, didn't he? Yeah, yeah but yeah. then he normally gets in a rally car and there's skids around them all afterwards. <laughs> that's his, like, his CEO style. So, yeah, the LFA got a bit well, buried, actually, but... No, actually, we, we, we'll have to do... I think we did the... Did we do the LFA? No, we did the Toyota before that. So then we went back up to Nagoya Oh yeah, on the Shinkansen. So we tried to get 44 bags onto a train, which was excellent fun. Um, and we went up to do the Toyota FTSE, which Toyota, uh, future Toyota Sports Electric. I'll tell you very, what, they know, how very to, literal. they know how to design a car, but they really can't name them, can they? I mean, all these cars no, look fantastic, cannot. but Hyperforce, Electrified Sports Concept, Iconic SP, and FTSE, which sounds like an error code. I mean, what are they playing at? Can we please get some names to go with they're the styling. saving them they're saving them for the real cars but that that ftse mr2 it, it's electric with two motors so it's four-wheel drive um defined rear bias by the way which was quite interesting but they um because they've designed it it looks like a tiny lmp car to me mm. it's about the same size as a gr supra but Good. it looks a lot smaller so this is the orange one if you look at the magazine sort of and a stuff. mid-engine supra Vibes. So the thing is, mid-engine, small mid-engine car from Toyota says MR2 to me, midship runabout. And it that one was, I thought I could drive it away. It was pretty much sorted. The interior had like compressed fishing nets in it and knee pads all the way down the inside of the car. Mm, but it's like so you can brace your legs when you're going fast on track. Like an F1 driver. Yeah. But it was really, it, and the guy that designed it designed the new Prius. So I loved him immediately and this is interesting as well because next year we're getting a electric boxster and porsche talking about how they've piled up the batteries in the middle to make it feel like it's mid-engined rather than you sitting on a big skateboard of batteries so is that similar to what toyota have tried to do here they're talking about split packs so they won't tell you where things are but yes it looks like the battery is going to be more in the middle than anywhere else so it feels and not, like not an MR2. low not necessarily low so it well what you mean you crash it immediately <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's like it was so it felt so real and, and that's sometimes concept cars are you know old socks and spit and this wasn't this was a real this felt like a real car and the They've said they're going to build a GR electric sports car. So I'm assuming, Ollie, that we're talking Boxster Cayman type time and money, and it'll be made so that you can hammer it on a track. That's why it's got so big. It's got big vents in the front, which you don't expect from an electric car. Like it's got these side pods that pop out electrically for cooling on track. They know what they're going to do. They've they've said there's going to be a there's a target Nurburgring time already. Yeah, but interestingly, very real of one minute. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> interestingly, though, Lexus, both for the LFA and one assumes for the Toyota. They, well, Lexus and Toyota have come up with those prismatic batteries. Yeah, t- tell me about these. Is it, it all I know is lithium iron and then a leap to solid state? Is this some sort of halfway? So, house? solid state twenty seven twenty eight. Every solid state is going to be the big news because it it offers 
pretty much across the board advantages faster safer smaller lighter uh, more energy density the whole lot solid state is better in the meantime toyota's come up with prismatic batteries so there's three sets there's um there's one that offers um 20% more range for 40% less cost which obviously will bring down the cost of evs which means that we can all afford to have them um there's ones that are there's another set that's um iron based so it'll be 20% more range for 40 this, I can't remember the blooming things <laughs> 20% more range for 40% less cost and then 40% less cost for only 20% more range but then there's a high power battery which is the one we're interested in which will be like a more like a capacitor which charges really quick discharges really quick but it'll be lighter smaller half the size so it means that sports cars can be lighter faster better um you can you've got packaging opportunities um and then when we get to solid state the solid state is going to they're going to be so expensive still for the, at least a, a two or three years they're only going to be in the really fast really expensive stuff so these batteries are going to carry us through the next the prismatic batteries will carry us through the next 5 or 6 years but they'll make things cheaper they'll give things longer range all of the things that we kind of majorly criticize cars for electric cars for Toyota was like, like Ollie said, they were crap at electric. <laughs> like the first couple of cars, the BZ4X is like the most meh car in the world. Mm. It just, it, it, it's fine. And that's the biggest compliment you can give it. And then they're coming up with stuff that genuinely will change how we consume electric cars, which is really exciting. But they've also made things like they made them. Um, a UX 300 ESUV with a manual gearbox and a clutch pedal Hello. and a stick and you can stall it. They're trying stuff, aren't they? Like with high end eye going, well, let's try a rev counter, let's a try a drift mode, let's try, you know, sort of clutch kick features. They're just kind of going, let's throw this at the wall and see if it sticks. And it won't make them faster. It's got nothing to do with efficiency. It's all about making them more interesting. So do you Like think- you say, like the Hyundai, it's, it's looking at all these different guesses and seeing which one sticks. And so I the, love it. I love the energy behind it. So the LFA, you would imagine that is that's such a halo car. If they did a pure electric LFA, then they're probably going to hold out for solid state to make that a real so. showcase. Then you'd have a load of power, not too much weight, over a thousand horsepower they're talking about. But what other tricks have they got to make that interesting to drive? Because more than any other car in the history of automotive the original lfa was defined by its psychopath of an engine so it's impossible you can't just make another fast electric car with a very long bonnet and go yes look it's better well first of all that very long bonnet it's it's electric like why has it got a long bonnet (laughs) can we we just talk about the wheelbase i'm sorry but it's like it's the size of double like the wheelbase is like a double deck of buses it's unbelievable (laughs) it's it's a big car i mean it just to me it looked a bit like a front engine ferrari gt with a mclaren front end but uh, yeah i went to see this lfa and i just thought that's a really good looking car but is it is it actually that futuristic you know it's an exciting car because of all the things they're talking about so again different batteries um four-wheel drive one motion grip steer by wire that you know like because toyota and lexus have already got those systems they're going to refine them for the uh, for the lfa horsepower is no longer the game yeah that's that's what i came away with and also that the japanese 
sort of car industry is really energetic. Like they've they've got this energy and a vibe to them all. Where I mean, Japanese car making has needed a shot in the arm for a bit now, hasn't it? You know, it it used to be one we all ran to, but it it needed a bit of a zhuzh. These are the cars that are making me excited about what's coming out of Japan. Yeah, and the people behind them like cars. It's actually it's that's what's really strong about getting them all together too. It's a real kind of collection. Whereas if you think from Europe. There isn't actually that much excitement. If you pulled everything together, you wouldn't get a group like this, whereas in Japan, it's all pretty mighty. And it, they're exciting. And the people behind them are going, okay, so we've got this new new drive chain that we're all going to have to deal with. How do we make it what we want out of it? How do we make it fun? And it's it's gen- I'm genuinely, I was really excited by the time we came out of that. The Hyperforce isn't necessarily a real car. The, but and the LFA won't be out until solid state, like Jack says. But there's some really cool ideas, and ideas are what make for exciting cars in the future, aren't they? Yeah. You kind of try and work it backwards. But also uh, stuff like the Hyperforce, I think it get it gets young people excited potentially of you know new technology cars in the future, and you need something like that to grab people. But then oldies like us are still kind of clinging on, I think, to the 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 past cars, which you just so happen to go and see too. Yes, because just when your yeah your energy levels were basically <laughs> running on fumes, we're like, uh, just one more thing, work. Would you mind collecting together all the originals? So LFA, GTR, MR2, and RX7, RX7, in a car park at night, and talk to the owners and give us a sort of paint a picture for for everyone about where this car culture, performance car culture, has come from in Japan. So how did that go? That that went really badly, <laughs> really badly. So the the problem with it was you're trying to arrange things from remotely from the UK, and we've got some mates in Japan who we said, you know, do you know anybody that's got an LFA? And they said no because they're they're a million pound car now. You know, they are quite serious money, so they don't they're not just knocking around generally. You don't see them on every street in Tokyo. Uh, we could probably get some GTRs. Um, an MR2 difficult because it's not a favourite, um, and we thought we'd get an FD. Um, turns out we could get an LFA. We couldn't get any of the others, <laughs> <laughs> as is so, always the way. Yeah, this is like when we did the 30th anniversary cover shoot, and it's like we you had know, two Veyrons, two, two Veyrons, four five eights coming out of your ears. Fiat Multipler one for sale in the UK and we pretty much had to buy it to get it there. (laughs) So, uh, we yeah, we got an LFA, a white one, fully modded, lowered uh, on gold wheels that owned by a doctor who was a lovely chap that turned up (laughs) It's doctor. the most Japanese LFA in the, the world. The doctor will see you now with his 9,000 RPM V10. <laughs> Honestly, though, he'd got a titanium exhaust on it, <laughs> a full titanium exhaust. And he, we made him rev. We went to Daikoku, you know, Daikoku parking area where there's the, the, they usually have all the car meets because it was near where we were staying. And uh, he turned up in this car. You could hear it coming from 74 miles away. <laughs> and it just sounded like a, a, a baritone F1 car. I mean, it really did. It was absolutely mad. And that's where that's where I thought, mm, they're going to struggle making an electric version of this. <laughs> it was just like, what? What? Mm-hmm. All the way down so the street. Not bad. Uh, that was good. Hang on. I'm, so I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the mag now. You rocked up in uh, you're in an R35 GTR Nismo. Is that right? T spec. Yeah. T spec. So that is. is I that... felt I felt underwhelming. I was the most <laughs> underwhelming human there. But yeah, yeah we, like we got a T 
T-Spec GTR out of Nissan to because it's new, and I what? love GTRs. I've had two of them. What's T-Spec? It's like a touring spec, so oh. it's slightly softer. Um, oh, it's really, it. really good as well. And that Nismo's quite It feels old now, though. It feels like a creaky old need old man. Like, you start it and try and put it in reverse, and the gearbox has to have a little think. Yeah, <laughs> and also they just chunter, and you just hear diffs all the yeah, time. Rrr. I quite like it, but I haven't been one in a few years, but it must sound yeah, so old Didn't you have that school. orange one? You had that orange one, didn't you? I loved it, yeah. Absolutely like loved it. Two, three years well, back ago, when really. they were new, I had two of them. And I absolutely adored them because I could get uh, two kid seats in the back and a pram in the boot and still burn off people. But not that we would ever condone street racing. Um, but the the thing was, we got this LFA turned up and we're stood in Daikoku car park and I'm going, well, how can we not have a GTR? This is ridiculous. And then this thing turned up, a black R35 Liberty Walk, you know, the really wide arch ones. mm Riveted but on. Riveted glue, you know, sticky back plastic, the whole bit. Um, it was dirty. It had a wing. It was it was a street racer. And the guy was happy for us to take pictures and then suddenly didn't want to be on camera himself for for reasons. He was and, a doctor uh, as well then. He was I don't think he was a doctor. Uh, <laughs> so, so well, no, somewhere. no, maybe no, maybe he didn't deal with pharmacies, yeah. yeah. He was in waste disposal. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> waste disposal was pharmaceuticals. Str- it, it had some like like bits of rubber tacked onto the en- edges of the extra arches. It was the widest thing I've seen what, apart from an RWB. You know, not quite, but it was just a weird, like street racy, bump bruised, dirty, proper car. Um and he was the one that wasn't bothered. He was like, if because he was just interested in going fast. Electric really interested him, which was fun. The guy with the LFA was just like, no, 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 <laughs> no, thank you. I, I don't want electric. It's all rubbish. I'm keeping. I'm going to be buried in this car. Um, I'm a doctor. Then, this is your medicine. You need to have a V10, everybody. <laughs> and he would be happy with that, honestly. He, I think it was just like, these are good for the soul. Blap. And then kept blipping it. And he's like, yeah, it is, isn't it? And there was a man behind me who just spontaneously started clapping every time <laughs> so every time he revved it. And I was like, that's what engines can do for people that mm. electric can't. You know? And what was the general vibe from you know your, your MR2 owner, your RX-7 owner on these cars being reinvented as battery-powered, zero-emission, silent EVs? Are, are they up for it? Are they as up for it as the people in the design studios? The problem that you've got with the people that have the older ICE cars is that they are passionate about ICE. So the guy that had the MR2 was a really young guy, and he'd inherited it from his grandfather, which made me feel really old um, because I remember them coming out. And he was like, they just electric cars just don't have this element of tactility, of smells, of sounds, of the, the, all the things he liked aren't present in electric. So again, it wasn't about being the fastest. It was about having that experience. About it. He liked the fact that his Amato was difficult to drive. Like you had to actually drive it or you'd get it wrong and crash it. He was like, I like that. The guy with the LFA, like I said, he was would quite happily be buried in that car. He was no way. Um, and the the guy with the FD, with the, the, by the way, the the, MR, the FD, the MR2 and the R35 were just at Daikoku. I just had to go and very awkwardly ask them if I could take pictures of them and their cars. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, no, I just jumped. I them. thought you you sort of you know chased people up and eventually they 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 turned up. Oh no, you were just I cold just calling them. these people. Yeah, yeah, just jumped them. And it was the the guy with the FD was like. 
Why did you buy it? Well, it goes rap, 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 rap. Which is the like, main reason, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting that they're just, it's quite simple and you they are the things that you can't get round with electric, really. You know, yeah. when that guy started up that R35 and it had four exhausts that were like mortar-sized exhaust and gave it a rev, it was kind of like, yeah, electric's going to struggle with that. Yeah. So it's how you introduce the theatre back into electric. Yeah, It was a really interesting evening talking to them. Yeah. But they're, they're passionate, they're, they're, they're real people. How you know? did you talk to them, Wook? Because your Japanese, last time I checked, isn't Sub-optimal. fantastic. It's, it's, it's tight. Um, <laughs> we have a friend called Toby out there who teaches English as a foreign language. Ah. So necessarily Toby Thayer. So he can speak Japanese. Um, but the trouble is I end up having a three-way conversation where I just stand there for half of it looking like a moron. <laughs> while Toby's having an actual chat and I, I'm trying to ask complicated yeah, questions simply. Yeah. It's, uh, Toby it, also the, takes uh, fantastic pictures, by the way. He so took all the pictures, a, a yeah. Multi, so he's multi-talented. Tool. But it, it just it was one of those ones where we, we all share something, which is a passion for cars. We all are on the same wavelength. And the thing is, you can communicate a lot with your arms and waving and pointing at things. And which with is generally how it and a V10. <laughs> yeah, you, everyone gives thumbs up and starts clapping, as you as you quite rightly saw. That's what but, I like about this cover feature, though. We've got, you know, we've given the designers their chance to go, come on then, what are you going to do? How do you take advantage of these new technologies, these new design opportunities? And then, meanwhile, we've got the owners, the enthusiasts who haven't drunk the Kool-Aid going, well, here's what I think. And I, I just love that kind of collision of opinions that we've brought together here. And I love the fact that the the sort of like, you know, these these owners that were going to talk to us about the car culture and where it's going and really pay, we're just like, no, no, it's electric. <laughs> but, then, but, then, work to be done. I, but I was thinking, you know, that, that Hyperforce GTR, it, it's these guys, the guys that you met in Daikoku, it's their kids, really. You know, that's who they're trying to sell a car to. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, th- this, this generation is sold on internal combustion and kind of we are as well. You know, that's where our passion was born. Um, so it's a hell of a challenge for everyone. But I like the recognition. I like the recognition, like Hyundai did with the the Ionic 5N. The recognition that okay, it's not what we used to. So let's try and figure out how we make it work. And that's what the Japanese stuff was really coming across as. It's it's ideas and determination not to lose the passion for cars. I'm absolutely keeping an open mind for some Aspie Force. <laughs> You always have. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> well, work. You should probably get some sleep and not have yeah. a bowl of ramen for ramen for uh, lunch. <laughs> uh, you can have something else. But yeah. thanks so much for heading over to uh, Japan and working nonstop for two weeks to bring this all together. Yeah, it's a There'll hell of a, videos. Yeah, it's a, exactly. It's a hell of a story. So, um, um, head to the magazine. Please see how this this amazing trip. Shout out to Ben Pullman for all his logistic wizardry. Shout out to Ben. Shout out this to is Gandalf. my issue, by the way. I did 10,000 words for it. Yeah. <laughs> if you want a Tom Wookie Ford special, Wook's run get out to a news agent near you. No more words. I haven't got yeah, any words yeah. left now. Yeah, any words left. Um, but check out the magazine because the layout um, from, from Andy Franklin and, and Elliot Webb. Um, Designers, the, the, they are. The photos from John Witchley. Uh, the words from work aren't bad either, uh, uh, but it's beautiful. really it's a beautiful piece of magazine craft. The and you'll never see together. it. You'll never see these four together ever again. No yep. one's ever going to have attempted this. Yep. So it's if you want the one-stop shop on the future of Japan and all its car culture, 
Pick it up in one mag. Yeah, and then head to YouTube because Work's done individual walk-around stories of each concept. So getting progressively bigger bags under his eyes as, as, you, <laughs> as you move <laughs> map for jet lag. <laughs> and, then, and then there's also bonus stuff that we're getting out too, but we're not going to speak about that now, but there's some very, very cool Suzuki chimneys. Yes, because that wasn't enough for work uh, in Japan. So there was about another three or four stories that you managed to bag as well. <laughs> Wait, hang up on him before he tells it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sh- uh, work, well, sh- no, we're... honestly, they're really cool. Yeah, we got to save something. I've got personal pictures. I'll, I'll put that on my Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, of course. And then we'll we'll be um there'll be loads of stuff going up in social as well once once the videos um start rolling out of the edit. Um so yeah, uh absolutely well, fascinating. Yeah, and uh dear listeners, stick around for next week because we're gonna talk about the rest of the issue there too, because there's a lot more than this. Yes. Um this is just the cover story and the first eighteen pages of the feature run. There's all the other stuff so in the much issue. more to come. Yes, plus a little quiz. So um, thanks, Work, for dialing in. Um, I hope that was fun for everyone back home. uh, And we'll catch you on the next one. Sayonara. Laters. Thank you for listening to the Top Gear Magazine podcast. Hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to subscribe, to leave us a review, to leave us a star rating. But also check out what is in the rest of the feed because as well as interviews, we've got our monthly uh, behind the curtain look into the issues that we make. And also, there's some new audio tidbits coming. So, like Jack says, subscribe. Subscribe.